0: Snuff Production. Market. The, S&P. the This is Motley Fool Money.
1: Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that is happy to serve as chair of Qantas. I'm Scott Phillips from the Motley Fool. He is Andrew Page Esquire, if you don't mind. The founder, the managing director, the chief cook and bottle washer, the man, the myth, the legend. Andrew <laughs> Page.
0: How are you, buddy? Very good, sir. I love the intro.
1: How uh, are I'm, you? I'm glad you do. I'm very, very well uh make the straw man thing what what is it i'll help you out it's a uh, it's a private online investment club that's fascinating yeah. that could catch yeah.
0: on you think so <laughs> <laughs> man how's your week been oh it's it's been pretty wow what a week i mean yeah. oh my gosh so much happening but yeah i'm just sort of sitting here depressed with the state of affairs <laughs> in the world but
1: uh, other than yeah. that pretty good it's hard to. Uh, so I'm an optimist, as, as our listeners well know, uh, and, and a pretty, you know, died in the wall one. Some weeks are hard on others to, uh, to keep that perspective. Yeah, uh, I got to say, this is this is one of those weeks. Mate, we will we will talk a little bit about what's been going on around the world. Uh, we'll do that. Uh, let's let's do that off the top. Um, so look, let's 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 get this out of the way. Um, we know that there has been. Uh, <laughs> Unrest doesn't seem like a strong enough word for it. a terrorist attack, a horrendous terrorist attack from Hamas into Israel uh, and then Israeli retaliation. Uh, the death toll continues to climb, mate. Um, it's just an awful, awful situation. And there's been a lot of news coverage about the events themselves. We are a finance and investing podcast. Sometimes when we when we don't get distracted. <laughs> we try to be. Uh, yeah. We try to be. And so we are going to talk about the impacts. And we're doing, doing it because markets are open and prices are moving, and people are either you know, directly or indirectly, passively or actively taking positions as a result. And so it behoves us to talk about those things. And so we will. Uh, we just wanted to, I guess, up front uh, say that we understand that this feels a bit crappy to talk about uh, from a financial perspective, or people are unfortunately continuing to die in the Middle East it uh, feels
0: a bit like, oh, how do we make money out of this situation, yeah, is not it? Which, which is
1: just like the worst
0: possible take that you right, can do, right. and I don't, I don't think that's what we're going to do at all. But no, uh, just, we're not. But what does know, it, what does it mean, uh, perhaps? You correct. know, and is, the, oil, the oil
1: price is moving. I mean, the, the reality is whether we, whether I said whether we're active or passive, there are implications of this that are changing asset prices, yeah. and so you know, it's trying to explain what those things are. Um, is, is real. By the way, some people don't have any moral qualms about making money on the back of this stuff and, you know, uh, that's not our view. Uh, we try and be a bit more moral about it. There is money to be potentially made. Uh, you don't have to be gleeful about it. I guess there's money made from uh, weapons manufacturers every day and, you know, gun makers and cigarette companies. So, you know, there are things that people would rather not be true that are. Uh, so I just want to put that up front. I don't want to kind of mm. bring the tone down, but I think it's appropriate that we start by saying, you know, this the financial... Implications and, and reactions are so far down the priority scale uh, in yep. any in any reasonable way. We'd happily give any of the profits back uh, to have peace restored in the Middle East. Unfortunately, life doesn't work that way. So I'm, I'm just going to put that out there. Yep, um, I love it. Yep,
0: mate. Uh, uh, so I, I just okay. Quick, okay. can I just quickly add to that the 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 idea that there is profit to be made. I think even that is spurious mm. in the, in the sense that oh, here's a set of circumstances. I do X and the money will flow. Yeah. I mean, if there is something, if, if there was anything that you could class as fast moving and uncertain, it's war. Yeah. And, and I, I would, even if I was somehow able to put all of my personal feelings and ethics and morals aside, mm. I wouldn't know what to do. Yeah. Like, you know, it feels like the first level thought is, oh, I'll buy a bunch of arms manufacturers or oh, I'll do this. I'll do that. And I'm like, oh, I don't. It's just not that easy. Markets are, mm hyper efficient as we as we know on a lot of these things and and often very counterintuitive that the day that the news broke out markets rose yes now i reckon if you'd polled most experts the day before and said there's going to be a very serious escalation in in the middle east they'd go mm-hmm. oh markets will go down so mm-hmm. so so i guess I'm, what i'm saying is is that even if you 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 did want to look at it through that that purely cynical lens i don't think you could easily or confidently or reliably make a buck out of it
1: that's that's probably true too um so mate look uh, let's let's talk about the the specifics and then we'll maybe talk about some general generalizations and generalities as well the first thing obviously is that while tensions in the middle east are always bubbling away and and these things are always unfortunately possible i don't think anyone had it on their bingo card for this year just as we didn't have russia invading ukraine on the bingo card uh, and and other things besides, and I think mm. that's you know we talk about black swans. Black swans that the phrase came about because it's actually an Australian uh, origin, which is nice. Mm. Um, swans were only ever white until people came to Australia and realised that swans could actually be black. No one had just envisaged the idea. I guess someone probably had had postulated, hey, there's no reason they couldn't be. But swans were white. That's what they were, and the existence mm. of a black swan was was genuinely. You know, uh, now no, no particular implication, but by, by metaphor, by analogy, uh, the idea that mm. a thing that couldn't have been foreseen all of a sudden happened is a big deal. This is not a black swan in, in, in that sense. Um, few things are genuine black swans because they are, you know, the, the, the range of things that are possible is, is massive. Uh, so you have to draw a line and say, you know, how likely was it? How, how prepared for it could you be? Also, too, the other thing of, if you'd spent 20 years preparing for it, would it have made a difference? Would you have foregone gains uh and more gains than you risk if if the Black one does occur and so it's really important we think about these sort of events to really think through you know if you if you'd always stayed in cash you could have avoided every single market crash in history hmm. at the same time and we've talked about this a lot the inflation rate being what it is if you'd stayed in cash you would have literal cents on the dollar in terms of purchasing power compared to being invested and having ridden that volatile wave of asset prices in our, in our particular case, shares, but whichever assets you prefer. Uh, I don't know any asset that's underperformed as an asset class cash in the last 40 years. There might mm. probably one somewhere. Now, maybe Beanie Babies or Yo-Yos or something, but but realistically, <laughs> um, most things tend to, tend to, you know, hold or, or add value in real terms. Uh, cash, almost by definition, uh, goes backwards. So that's kind of, you know, that there's, there's, a, there's a reality about thinking about Black Swan's You know, was anyone genuinely surprised this happened? I suppose not. You know, if you ask someone, hey, you know, is it possible that Hamas might launch an attack on Israel? I think you'd probably say, yeah, it's probably pretty likely. A bit like the next recession, these things are probably likely. Could you have, should you have prepared for it? I don't know. I'll ask you that question in a second. Um, So it's not a black swan. It's 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 understandable. It's it's knowable. I will say, mate. Speaking of your point, I literally just pulled up the chart. We're recording this on Thursday morning. Anything could happen between now and and publication date. Um, the the price of West, West Texas Intermediate crude oil, so the American kind of um, category, if you like, or, or uh, what do you call it? The uh, American style of oil, anyway. Eighty two dollars seventy nine a barrel. Now the numbers. This is US numbers. Don't overly matter. So don't worry about trying to commit it to memory. On Friday, eighty two seventy nine. Mm. As we record now, eighty three dollars twenty. Mm. <laughs> so the oil price gone up by forty-one cents a barrel. Mm-hmm. Uh, now it jumped immediately after the attack, but then it's fallen back again. And so even that's exactly point of, my point, right? Yeah. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Now, it might have, it might have been hundred dollars for all we know. Uh, but that's kind of uh, as you could be, could be hundred tomorrow. Exactly. I just wanted to use that yep. that data to to make to, to show your point out or prove your point out that you know, and it could have been anything different. But but trying to say, I think there will be a terrorist attack on Israel. Therefore, I will buy oil. Therefore, therefore, therefore. In fact, the oil price is down. It was $87 a 29 a barrel a month ago. So not only is it only 41 cents higher than it was before the attack, it's actually lower than it was a month ago. Mm-hmm. And it's just worth thinking about how you know, the, it's, always, it's always, people always want to try to be smart, clever, ahead of the other guy, do the active thing that's going to make a difference. And it just, you know, re- very rarely works out that way. As I said, maybe the event happens, maybe it doesn't. Maybe when it happens, the, 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 the gains you've foregone waiting for that event uh, are, are worse than the losses. Or maybe, you, you know, you do expect it. The event happens and still nothing happens. The person who had spent years and years and years preparing themselves for this event has, has gone home pretty unhappy, right? The shares are up, mm-hmm. oil prices down over the month and up a touch over the last four or five days. Uh, the x plus y equals z just doesn't it, it, it doesn't happen it just yeah. doesn't happen or, or when it does happen it's no no that's even the exception of the rule it's just it's just there, there's no there's no way to follow this kind of idea mm. because humans are weird and asset prices are weird and circumstances are just unpredictable
0: yep yep actually so when you were talking i, I had to google the, the black swan um mm. Uh, theory just to just to get the specific definition. Thank you. I read the book years ago and I actually really highly encourage others to do it. Taleb's an interesting character. I don't agree with him on a lot of stuff, mm. but he's a great writer and his yeah. books are really good. So I, I do recommend them. So both things can be true. Um, but anyway, the definition here is, the first is, that there's three categories. The first is it's an outlier. It's outside mm-hmm. of the realm of regular expectations. Mm-hmm. And nothing in the past can convincingly point to its possibility. So you're right. This isn't technically a black swan. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, The second is it carries an extreme impact. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, it's pretty big impact here. So that's, that's probably uh, true. The third, and this is the part I wanted to get to, is that in spite of its outlier status, human nature makes us concoct explanations for its occurrence after the fact, (laughs) making it explainable and predictable. Right, and this is the point I want to hammer because this happens, all, even without outside of the realm of just uh, black swans. Yeah, yeah. You see punditry all the time. Something happens, and then you know, uh, old white man in suit appears, um, explaining to you, "Well, it was all this is why it happened," you know. <laughs> yeah. and I, well, that. Uh, is it I don't know it's a con- it, it only has to be a convincing narrative it doesn't necessarily have to be true yeah. and there's someone else out there giving just as equally a convincing argument as to why something happened yes' but really giving different things and and it's sort of we love this idea that 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 you can draw a straight line between mm-hmm. various events and you just see it all the time on markets and the thing I always think of is like, Made if it was so bloody obvious, I mean, you must be like a <laughs> billionaire by now, because you
1: are. You obviously,
0: so, you know. And it's always words like clearly and obviously, mm-hmm, and you know, mm-hmm. these these adjectives get thrown around, and it's yeah. like it's clearly not. <laughs> it's me using the word clearly. It's clearly <laughs> yeah. not obvious and and predictable because if it was, presumably you either did it or just decided that you don't like easy money. You know, mm-hmm, so it's mm-hmm. it's all it's all a bit of uh, of a nonsense. <laughs> it is.
1: Um, can, I, can I jump in yeah. too quickly, mate? I just... The other thing about, you know, the, the old white man in suit telling you what happened. The, the, in, you know, I, I'm not... I don't know nothing about parallel universes, right? But I, I, like the, I like the kind of idea because in in a different parallel universe after the attack, oil is now $120 a barrel. Yep. And someone is someone is now standing there, cue, you know, that, that particular old, old white man in the suit or someone else saying... So, obviously, oil was always going to get $100 a barrel because there was a terrorist attack and, and the world's now worried about it. So, that's why oil's obviously – it should have been obvious to everyone that it would have happened. Yes. And I guess, you know, that's the other thing is Yes. That, to your point about, you know, explaining after the fact. Well, of course, oil's not higher because it's only Israel and Palestine and those two – I don't know if, if Palestine's a country. I don't want to get myself in geopolitical drama here. But those two, those two groups don't export any or much oil. So, of course, it, it would have no impact on the oil price. Yep. Someone else is saying at $120 a barrel, well, obviously it is because we're worried about Iran and, and Egypt and Saudi Arabia getting drawn into this battle. And so, of course, it's 120 or whatever whatever it is, the, 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 the result, the outcome. Because, you, you, I mean, can you imagine how many articles there'd be in the FIN and the, in the Australian business section right now? With all 120 dollars a barrel, that how it was always oh, yeah. possible, and it was always this, it was always that, and yep. you know.
0: Oh, and the, the other on. thing, the, and this is what I was going to get. The other thing you would see amongst all those column inches mm. would be the interview with the fund manager slash <laughs> trader <laughs> it it. who called it. <laughs> it's exactly right, and this yes, happened after yes. the GFC. It happens after every oh, event, you. yeah. And 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 these people look really smart, and they mm-hmm. did, they did predict it, right? Mm-hmm. So. But you need, to, you need to pan out, and there's a thing called survivorship bias. Mm-hmm. And, and you've got to remember that right now in the world, there's a, you know, thousands and thousands of, of pundits and traders and analysts making calls publicly, putting it out there, whether it be on Twitter or on their newsletter or whatever, mm-hmm. saying, I think this is going to happen. Now, at some point, and there's a whole mix of opinions and forecasts. Now, at some point, I mean, it's almost guaranteed that one of them are going to be right because yeah, right. all possibilities are covered and and you see this with fund managers too right mm-hmm. so it's sort of like you know every year the league tables get published and they go look at this young gun over here he outperformed the market by and go, wow how did he know gosh he he's the person i'm going to back <laughs> and it's so easy to sort mm-hmm. of go right who's dr doom um what's his name? exactly right yeah. so he is he has been you know oh, like he's, never the- bought a, he's, never, he's never bought a drink in years yeah because he was right yeah. once yeah, yeah. <laughs> And it was a broken clock that was inevitably (laughs) going to be right. I'm going to sit here and say, there's going to be a recession. I'll bet you my left arm that there will be a recession. I don't know when or what circumstances (laughs) will initiate it or how severe it will be. But eventually I'll be right. And someone could go, oh, look, hey, Andrew, called that. You know, like, Mm -hmm. well, did I? did I, And did I do it in a way that was sort of profitable? So I guess this is all just a means. And I'm sure, I'm sure if you search, you will find someone out there right now going, I knew that there was going to... There, I, there were signs. There were signs that mm. the things were going to get scary in the Middle East. And I was calling it. And and they and they probably were. But yep. you've just got to really take all of this stuff with a grain of salt. I think when it comes to yourself, you have to be especially careful. Because we yeah. all have opinions, yeah. right? And I catch myself doing it all the time. I, I know this is going to happen. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. <laughs> and, and occasionally I'm right. right? Mm-hmm. I knew it. I knew it. But, well... Did I, you know? Ha- ha- I'm going to cling to the thing that that I was that I was right on. Yep. Was I really that confident? I, I probably didn't position myself appropriately for the conviction that I now think right. that I did have. And you are the you, you you are the easiest person to fool is yourself, right? Um, so I I think it's what's the point here? I think that the point here is that when you're trying to judge the ability of a soothsayer, um, and we're all soothsayers to some extent in investing. <laughs> you've really got to look across a full cycle or two and you've really got to look, I mean, this is, this is the Peter Lynch idea of, if you're good, you're right six times out of 10. Yeah. You, yeah. You, 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 need to be someone who's no one's going to be right all of the time. And even the best and Buffett's going to make and does and and, and puts them in every annual report. This is what I stuffed up this year. Yep. And so yeah, it, exactly. it's, you, you really only get to a point after a while where you sort of say, ah, this person has some kind of ability here. Mm. Um, it's just, it's just really, it's really, really important to understand that the the probabilistic nature of things and to recognize that there's just a huge amount of luck. And the best you can do is try and move in a direction where the odds are slightly in your favor, which by the way, an incredible edge. If you can get that and sustain that, you're going to make a lot of money. But, but too often you see, I see it with friends all the time. It's like, it goes one of two ways. They start investing and they have a terrible first year and they throw their arms in the air and go, this is stupid. It's all rigged. I'm never doing it again. It's like, well, that's Mm -hmm. a, that's a bad mistake. The other one is, is like, oh my gosh, look how much money I made. This is so easy. I'm going to, I'm going to double down, you know, (laughs) and then that eventually becomes a a bad mistake as well. So just, I don't know. You you get my point.
1: No, you're, you're dead right, mate. It's, um, it's a funny, it's a funny situation, um, I think it's you know so so to your point and here's the other thing by the way just back to back to the broad issues that we see with um, with markets when we have geopolitical tensions. It's also worth saying that the market actually went up over the period of World War II. That's just a yeah. single example. Now that is yeah. a single example. I'm not suggesting it will over every war or, or whatever. Just that um, you know it's it's too easy to and the other thing is so talk about fooling yourself mate. The other thing I would say about it, this is just go to check your own. Uh, preconceptions and and prejudices and biases because if you're someone who's expecting doom around every corner you will find it every time you open a paper and you can make a case for it now the same is also true of optimists i can i can find a silver lining anywhere so you know i'm not but but i guess my point is that you know there are people who uh, you know i I hear from semi regularly (laughs) given i have a a slight public profile and and you know running the, the investment team at the motley fool the kind of oh, of course it's going to be a crash this time. It's going to crash that time. This is going to happen wrong. That's going to go wrong. That's going to go wrong. That's going to go wrong. And it's one of those things that it, the simple reality is over time things tend to improve. Despite this week, which is just crap, and and I don't say that to uh, lighten or lessen the bad stuff that does happen. It, the, the fact that the fact that uh, you know things tend to improve over time does not excuse. The stuff that's not great or getting mm. worse or going wrong mm. and and it's not to say we shouldn't address it and it's not to paint over it and say stop you whinging about the bad stuff things will get better just wait but it is to remind people that over time things do tend to improve um you know some of the poorest people in australia live better than some of the richest people in 1800 um and that's not to say those poor people shouldn't be looked after and helped and we shouldn't improve everyone's lot again as i've just said um i hope people will get I kind of feel like you need to clarify qualify all these things all the time, right? And, and you, you do it treat because, carefully, well, yeah. because the, the narcs will jump at you. I mean, people know me pretty well by now. I think if you listen to the podcast for a while, so I'll say it. And I'm not going to keep banging on about it. You get my you get my approach. Um, it's it's let, let me rant for a sec. It's intellectual laziness to take one person's point and assume, therefore, they mean X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Um, I did. I did. Uh, advance a, a tweet during the week uh, about the uh, the conflict and i got the usual suspects of you know you're saying this you're saying that no i'm not saying that i'm just i said what i said that's all i said mm. you know mm. the, the desire to take someone's statement and to extrapolate and extend and to assume and to whatever uh, to go into outrage is, is frankly one of the biggest problems we've got in terms of communication at the moment around the world mm. uh, but uh, you know the things do tend to improve so i just would also counsel people who are Taking bearish bets, the you can historically at least no promises about the future. Historically at least, you can afford to be endlessly optimistic and not have to be right about timeframes, mm-hmm. as long as you've got enough time. Mm-hmm. If you're bearish or negative, you really better get that time frame right, yeah, because the markets tend to so. Why shorting is over so time. hard, right? Yeah. And so yep. if you think about, you know, oh, this war might be terrible and this might happen. A, you're probably going to be wrong. In terms of, again, financially I'm talking about, not not the human impact. Mm-hmm. B, even if you're right, you better work out when you're going to close this bet out because, you know, the market's higher than at the, than at the end of any other global or regional conflict in history. <laughs> you know, well, 120 years of the, the modern stock market, uh, yeah. GDP around the world has grown for 300 years, uh, you know, some of, ever is probably too strong a, a word, but you know it's just it's just it, you could afford to have been optimistic the whole way through blatantly polyanerally optimistic and and being completely fine as long as you had the time frame to to see through the the occasional downtrends if you're always bearish you had to be really 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 careful and be very lucky and very right and get your timing spot on otherwise you were handed your backside and so i just yeah. i just want to make that point as we finish that not not well, i finish you can keep talking um we move on to something else but I think you know we can be we can be miserable about circumstances of of the world and, and some of the geopolitics right now. We can be miserable about the impact on individual people and groups of people, and you can absolutely do that. I think it's absolutely justified. Uh, be very careful about taking that lens. Keep keep your brain segmented. Right. Um, the by all means find the bad stuff and try and fix it. By all means be a voice for improving the stuff that doesn't work properly. By all means. You know, uh, shed a, a tear for for people who are doing it really, really tough, and and who've been injured and killed in this particular instance in the Middle East. Uh, but as an investor, uh, if you don't if you don't want to be invested, that's cool, right? Um, and again, I'm not trying to make these equivalent either. There's not they're not at for the, in the slightest. But if you are going to be an investor, most people listening to this probably are, and certainly we all are through super and other things. Um, just just keep that in mind as well. Just make sure that you understand the implications for. The long-term investor, as opposed to the the fear, the sadness, the whatever you might feel, the, frankly pessimism about what's happening right now in in different parts of the world, in different circumstances.
0: Yep. Uh, i only add two quick things. Um, I think the the natural instinct with a lot of these kind of things is you go. Well, people will will often reach a, a very mature conclusion, which is mm. I just don't know. Mm. And then, and then, make the, a jump to. Well, I'm just going to wait until certainty returns. You mm. go. Okay, this is a very complicated situation. It's beyond my powers of prediction to, to know how it's going to go. So I'm just going to sit on the sidelines. And then once once there's clarity, I'll get back into the market again. And again, it sounds it's it sounds difficult to cr- criticize that. The the mm. trouble is that there is never you, you'll always be waiting because. You know, we we had COVID and then we had all the stuff in the bond market and then we had Ukraine and then, you know, it's just like there is whenever this resolves itself, uh, resolves might not be the right word, but when Mm -hmm. there is a little bit more clarity around this horrible situation, Mm -hmm. um, any any certainty that appears will be an illusion. There there is no such thing. So I guess I just, I I make that point that you will invest, you should invest in spite of uncertainty because uncertainty is ever present. It, It just is. And and the other thing I would say, too, I actually watched – it was on on Twitter, I think. Um, someone posted an old speech that Buffett gave, <laughs> and he was talking about here we are in this really weird situation with investing where we kind of have to predict the future. I mean, that's kind of what investing is. I'm making a bet on the future. And here we are saying, is, well, it's largely unpredictable. And he, he really got at this point, and he's sort of saying, well, it's always hard. But you can predict the easy things. Mm. And he gave, he was giving the right. example. this is an old talk. He was giving the, this is back in the very early days of computers. And he's just like, I, I can't predict where it's going to go. Mm. It's very exciting. I think it's going to lead to big changes in the world. But it's, and this is Buffett, you know, IQ of 180. <laughs> so I just, I can't do it. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I guarantee that when people are sitting in front of their computers, they're going to be chewing Wrigley's gum. Mm. Right. And then it's like, so he, he might have been wrong. He wasn't. He might have been wrong though on that. Maybe there was a new, uh, disrupting type of gum technology that came along that people were going to chew on. Um, <laughs> so there's still there is always uncertainty. There's, there is no such thing as as, as, as a guaranteed future. But that, it's a really interesting point that that there are two. Two things that you can kind of predict the hyper specific, very difficult, and the very general. So, for mm. example, <laughs> bring it to an Australian context. And I just yep. use these examples because they come to mind, mm. not because I own shares in them and I don't, and or they're a recommendation, which they're definitely not. And <laughs> price matters. But, you know, Technology One sells enterprise grade software to government agencies. I don't know what's going to happen in the next few years, but I'm pretty sure that their existing customers are going to continue to use their software <laughs> and they're going to continue to pay Technology One. Mm. I mean, you can't operate these departments without it, right? And even if they decide to go to a competing product, it's going to take five years to sort of switch. It's such a big job, right? I am um, pretty sure that people who have cochlear implants in their head uh, will continue to upgrade on the external componentry and software. Uh, I am pretty sure that people will continue to shop at Coles and Woolies. Yep. You know, there, there are, there are, there are. There's not guaranteed. All of these predictions could be wrong but it's much better a prediction than saying, I think the 10 year Australian <laughs> treasury yield will be at 3.85% by September of 2024. Like that, that, is, that, that is a very difficult. that is a very hyper-specific prediction. And, and I think that's where I try to come at things with investing is that, look, I, I will fully acknowledge, I don't know which way the world is, is going to unfold exactly, but there are some businesses that you can look at that you just feel is like, well, there's a better than even chance the two things you always start with, yeah. is it around in 10 years time? And are they, you know, more or less making more money then than they are now? And I think if you get that part right, mm. a lot of it's just sort of backfilling in the details. You, yeah. you can still go wrong, but I guess again, that's, that's why you don't back up 100%. the truck and put everything in, in one basket. You, you diversify a bit, but but that is, I, I hopefully that helps sort of square the circle. So it doesn't seem like we're talking out of two sides of our mouth. One saying things are unpredictable, but uh, you know, and 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 there will always be uncertainty. That is true. Some things are just easier to predict than others. And st- stick, you know, <laughs> look for the one foot bars to step over, not
1: not the ten foot bars that you have to sort of backflip over. I think that's right. I think that's right. Now, it's also true that the bigger gains are probably going to come from those businesses where uh, an amazingly unlikely th- range of things have to happen for it to go well. Uh, guaranteed, because they're, they're, they're not right? priced in. Yes, exactly, exactly. Yep. And so we're not saying that you know that it can't happen. That's the other thing, people are. It, it, <laughs> temperament matters so much I, do, I talk about this all the time and frankly i don't even talk about it enough that's how that's how important this is right if if you if you hit, heard andrew just then and thought hey there the, they're the boring stale business who wants to buy technology one or woolworths or cochlear if i could go and make a fortune buying this lithium miner or something else um then i am not saying don't do it again do you do you as andrew likes to say and some lithium miners will do maybe they all will do well uh, but just recognize the game you're playing um and recognise that losses are actually are real losses, and I know that sounds stupid to say because it's your money, and mm-hmm. people understand that if you lose money, you lose money. Um, I I am fascinated, mate, by the psychology of someone who wouldn't bet ten bucks on the dogs on a Saturday night or whenever they run, but who would who would who would quote invest five thousand dollars in some techie specy startup, miner, or biotech or something else, and feel okay about it because it's not really gambling; it's investing. Hmm. and i don't really understand i don't and i it, it is a criticism by inference but i don't mean to be directly critical of anyone doing that particularly anyone listening doing that i just i just uh, maybe it's maybe it's the point of fooling yourself maybe 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 we just find it easier to justify to ourselves that you know betting on the dogs, dogs is gambling but you know quote investing on a on, on some hundred or one shot on the market is somehow investing and not gambling and so it's therefore okay mm-hmm. i just find not that I'm saying gambling is bad either necessarily just people who wouldn't gamble on the dogs or, or the lotto or whatever but do that i i don't know it, it, it's 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 a it's a phenomenon it's a thing yeah uh
0: the other thing and another thing uh and another thing um you reminded me there there's a quote um by william gibson uh, he's a he's a science fiction writer actually sort of behind the cyberpunk sort of genre and he he had this saying which i love which is The future is already here. It's just Mm. not evenly distributed. (laughs) And I love that because a lot of the things we feel as though we have to predict the future. A lot of the time Mm. it's in front of you, but you're just not (laughs) attuned to it. Right. Mm -hmm. So there again, uh, uh, sorry for being such a well-worn example, but you could, I think anyone who was close to the action in the mid nineties with the internet and, and personal computing, could very easily say, this, this is a big deal, right? Like, I, I, oh my gosh, I can do this. Oh, wow, this, this means this is going to enable businesses and people to do this, 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 and this, and probably a bunch of things I can't predict. It was there. But if you were to take a random sample of 10,000 global citizens and poll them on their view of it, well, most of them wouldn't actually have be aware of it. it's just not mm-hmm. in your daily life not because they're dumb or they're ill-informed it's just not in front of them i mean i don't know what's happening at the forefront the cutting edge of cross-stitching you know or haberdasheries or i don't just it's not it's not in my 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 field of view but there are certain things i think you can where you can get a bit of an edge as an investor is just being being widely read and being aware of things that you kind of you know uh beyond they're not science fiction. They're not, uh, they they are here. They're happening right now. And it's, mm. you get to a point of it's with some technologies and businesses and the rest, you need that quantum leap of zero to one. But once you've gone from zero to one, going from one to two, one to two to three is, is a much more, it's a very different proposition. It's why I'm reasonably confident of things like mm. AI or robotics or that. It's like kind of, you know we've had yep. the zero to one moment yep. now it's yep. optimization is that it was a very very different kind of problem mm. and and i think i think that that's a useful place to kind of start. i mean it's still very i mean the earlier you are the, the more difficult is, is it is going to be to know how that exactly unfolds mm. but i guess i'm just i don't know what's my 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 point is is that there is a difference between what is possible according to the rules of physics versus <laughs> what is actually been demonstrated and, and proven and is seeing real world traction. Can I give a very quick example? Actually, this has got an Israeli angle to it and I don't own shares in it. I'm not likely to own shares and it. it's way too speculative for me. So let me say that. Mm-hmm. But there's an Aussie company called Weebit Nano and they're doing these chips. And it's a different type of, it's a re-ram technology. It's a, looking to replace flash. It's a very old memory technology. It's really cool. And they've been on the ASX for a while. And it's just like they've had huge run-ups in prices, then huge falls in prices, and <laughs> people just get way, 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 way carried away with this kind of stuff. It's like brain chip, you know, and other other sort of yeah, technology. Oh God, so it's yeah. like, you know, so it's just like a lot of <laughs> sensible investors roll their eyes at these companies <laughs> for good reason, right? Yeah, for good reason because yeah. we've we've yeah. seen it, we've seen it all before. Mm. But I do have, I, I spoke to Kobe Hanock, the CEO recently, and I you know, uh, again, it's, it's not my bag. It's too speculative for me. It's still very early stage, but what's different I think with that is that they are commercializing. There's yeah. revenues there. Yeah. And that's a very different, you could have been investing in this company for the last, since it listed, and all of the things that they were saying actually look like they're coming true, but you would have lost a fortune, more than a fortune. You would have lost a very significant amount. <laughs> But you can kind of be, you you can kind of, I think when you come across these things as an investor, there's nothing wrong with getting excited about it. Pop it on a watch list. But I tend to sort of wait for things that show you that it's gone from, it's now at one, it's not at zero anymore. It's like, oh, if we only replaced, you know, 10% of the global flash drive market, we're going to make a trillion dollars. Well, now it's a bit more interesting and it'll be a bit more interesting again once Apple decides to incorporate re-ram, bits re-ram, to, you know, if that happens, you know what I mean? So y- you, you will always feel as though you're late with these things, but you can always, um, you, can, you can still do incredibly well. Imagine investing in Apple after the iPhone 2 had come out, not the iPhone 1. I mean, would you take that bet? Would you go back in time and have that opportunity? The iPhone 3. Like it, was like, it feels as though, ah, it's out. We've already got the smartphone. It's done. I need to look for the next greatest kind of thing. Anyway, it all just comes back to that prediction of the future and the rest of it. There are the easier things and the harder things and the things that are backed up by evidence and that you're seeing traction on and that when you're right and the opportunity is big enough, that runway yeah. can be huge. Yeah. So you don't have to be early and you don't have to make big speculative bets to do well. It was a r- rambly, rambly thought. No, I, I like that. There.
1: I, I'm going to, I'm going to tangent because I can. Um, I don't know WebitNano from Adam. Uh, I don't know the CEO. I don't know the company. I don't know the technology. I don't know the products. I know nothing about this company at all, other than the company's name. And I had to look up the stock code. That's how little I know about WebitNano. Right. I would say to our listeners, uh, not great on an audio podcast, but uh, the uh the share share price of last year looks like a site of about a dozen mountain ranges. <laughs> uh, and I would encourage anyone who's not driving and not out in the lawnmower or doing something else to, to stop and actually uh, have just Google uh, ASXwBT as the code And I just want, I, I, you may have a different take on this mate I just wanted to I want to flag this for this is for a couple of reasons. One is this company in the last year alone started the year at two dollars. Sorry, last, 12 months, not start of the year. Uh, 12 months ago, $2. Got to $4 a couple of months later, then back down to $3.19, up to $8.75, and then literally a month later, down to $4.50, back to $7.60, then to $5.30, back to $7.50, then down to $4.75, up to $6. Now is at $3.05. Now, again, hard to kind of keep those numbers in your head. Have a look at the chart. Um, I am not going to tell you to do or not do anything on the basis of that, other than to say that I would speculate with a degree of confidence, but still allowing for the fact it's speculation, there is a truckload of hot money chasing this thing. Mm-hmm. And it just behoves any investor to be careful with that sort of stuff because it's so easy when you see a sharply rising share price to get excited or, When you see a sharply falling share price, you get despondent and pessimistic and and abandon ship. I don't know whether you should buy this or not. I don't know whether it's going to do well or not. I have no idea. But I just wanted to make the point that if you'd have seen the shares go from two to eight and then bought them and gone, oh, beauty, and then seen them trail away over the next nine months to $3 and have lost literally five of in money, um, that's going to feel pretty awful. And there's nothing good or bad about a company because... It's a hot stock on an internet forum or, or among the you know the cool kids. It doesn't make it good. Doesn't make it bad. Um, doesn't make it right or wrong. Uh, Amazon, I'm sure, was a hot stock for a while, and you know it was gone really well. Others have been hot stocks and gone really really badly, and lots in between. I just wanted to make the point: if you see that sort of action, that sort of price action, just know what you're getting yourself in for as an investor, um, and just be careful about assuming again, speaking of fooling yourself, rising share prices convince you of a whole lot of stuff, either before yeah. or after you buy, you know? And what you do is you get used to the share being, you go from four to eight, and you think, oh, I've done my money. And then you fall back, you kind of, you think the gains are your genius and you're taking it for granted. And the losses are someone else's fault and you're looking for someone to kill, right? And it's, and it's just one of those things. So I know people know that. This has just been super volatile, probably in my, my best guess, because it's been a, a fun stock, a hot stock for the, the cool kids who are jumping in and out of this thing for real reasons or otherwise. Um, But just be really careful. You can get used to a share price at or above a certain level and assume it must belong there because somehow the market's telling you that. Uh, Markets should never be listened to to give you advice on share prices. But even more, when you've got these smaller hot stocks that that are all over the joint like this, just be really, really careful. Don't believe it's worth two or five or eight or back to three dollars. I don't believe it's worth those numbers just because that's what the share price is trading at.
0: It's almost certainly not. I mean, here's the thing. Right. Like, again, I'm not, I'm not advising anyone to do anything here. But I think you could objectively say, again, this, pretend this is a private company, right? You don't have this yeah. wiggly line to look at. Today, things look a lot better than they did at the start of the year. They look a lot better than they did at the start of last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, the company has ticked off all these milestones. Like, it's, it's improving. The, the the problem here was that market just got super carried away, and 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 in fact, I mean, all else being equal, it's a far far more attractive proposition at three dollars than it is at eight, right? Like, <laughs> because it's the same company and it's less than half the price that 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 you could have bought it at. Um, you know, and again, I say all else being equal, I mean, there hasn't been a deterioration here in, if, if you look at it. This is the crazy thing. But all of those people who piled in at those higher prices are now looking at it going, oh, this is the worst thing ever. I was like, well, no, your speculative endeavors were the worst thing ever. <laughs> and, and, you know, at that point in time, the market cap of this pre-revenue, not pre-profit, well, pre-profit as well, but pre-revenue business was like one point four something billion dollars. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, and that, this was my That's argument. Kind of, oh, I, I, isn't that I don't know? Yeah, it's madness, right? It is. <laughs> right, it, is it is pure <laughs> madness, and it's not. It's not as because you 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 see balls go. Oh, but they're going to do this, and they're going to do. It's like, well, they might, and it looks encouraging, and I agree. it. But let's do some numbers. Let's assume that they are effective, and that now. And you, we always say uh, the value of a business is this future sum of all of its cash flows, yep. appropriately discounted back. So you can be right on your expect, very lofty expectations, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. still lose money because all you front loaded all of that ex- expectation yeah. there. Do you know? It's it's sort of like that was that was that was the mistake. And in fact, what's so hard about it is I think in fact a lot of people were sort of saying at six dollars, mm, that seems a bit. <laughs> Encouraging, good, moving in the right direction, but geez, that's yeah. that's up there. And then you go, yep, too expensive. And what happens? It jumps up another 33%. <laughs> right? And you're like, okay. And you can feel really dumb and have your nose rubbed into it. Now people are probably doing victory laps when when maybe it's more interesting right. now than it, than it's ever been. Again, yes, I'm not exactly. making yes, any yes. advice yes. here, but that is mm. that is the edge that you have, I think, as an investor, is to mm. to, to look at the market price not as a – arbiter of truth is to tell you what what this thing is worth but it's something that will give you opportunity here and it's like if you've if you've got any understanding of re-ram technology and the market mm. case for it and the rest of it and you feel as though this company is is moving in the right direction you should be far more excited now than you were at the at, exactly at, uh, at march Right? Yeah. like that, that yeah, if half less half the price how good is that yeah, yeah absolutely and know mm. that know that even and and that even if you are right, it could still drop to $1.50 between now and then, right? Anyway, it's, 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 it's... Investing
1: is hard is the bottom line. <laughs> investing is hard.
0: <laughs> Motley full Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener.
1: Let's, uh, let's, let's get back to the macro actually again before we we've, uh, blow back out into to some individual stories um one, one i'm sure you well i don't know I, i'm i'm gonna assume there is part of you uh the Sheldon uh is probably pretty high for you right now uh all i know you don't want to you don't want to dance on the financial graves of your fellow australians uh but the imf the international monetary fund uh which is speaking of making forecasts and projections no more uh possessive of a crystal ball than any of the rest of us uh but they're big and global so we listen to them have have said two things this week the first thing they said I'll get, the, I'll get the less controversial, less uh, uh, ram-baiting one uh, out of the way first. The first thing they said was Australian economic growth uh, is likely, they originally had said, well, last forecast was 1.7% growth for Australia next year, 2024. They're now saying 1.2%. So good news, I suppose, the IMF is not, not factoring in a recession. I guess in the current circumstance, we should take that. Uh, the other thing I think, I, uh, look, but, but they are saying growth is going to be more anemic, less impressive than they had previously hoped, assumed, thought, forecast it was. Now, by definition, by the way, if they've had to trim a third off their original forecast, you can take the current forecast with it weekly. Uh, that's <laughs> my point. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so, so be mindful of that. Uh, that being said, they're, they're, they're closer to the next year. So maybe you yep. can be a little less... Uh, a little more informed maybe about about what that might look like. So mm. that's possible. Uh, but look, separate to any of that, um, yeah, they're expecting things to get tougher. The point I want to make, I guess, on this one, mate, and we'll get to the other thing they said, is I think there's a degree of, I'm, again, I'm an optimist. I think we'll be fine over the long term. I think we should invest, work, open businesses uh, as long as you're sensibly and carefully and with enough financial backing to get you through any, any short-term dramas. Um, well, I think we'll be fine. But I think the media, capital M media, I don't mean, there's no, there's no, there's no um, uh, conspiracy here, but we, we, we kind of focus on interest rates because that's the thing that hurts most people with a mortgage, right? And it does flow through to people who are renting. And we and we, we're obviously people with savings too. But we talk a lot about that and, and there'll be some degree of celebration when the RBA's finished raising rates that, oh, we got there. Okay, now we've now we've got the peak. The RBA at some point will say, we no longer see a need, need, need to increase rates or we hope we don't need to and then we'll see the first decline. And we'll kind of go, oh good, we got through it. And I, I just want to make the point. I think I think the rate rising cycle is only the first half or so of the story. Because the second half of the story is the economy dealing with those higher rates. And for a while we've been doing it with savings. Our savings rates dropped from 20% of income to below 4% of income. And again, that's mm-hmm. a national average. So, you know, assume some people are at minus five and some are at ten um the so that you know that that's the first thing but i just i think there's a a reality which is firstly that people still who, who are you know spending down the savings or, or desperately trying to get through or whatever will have to realize this is now here to stay now rates might fall slightly but you know what i mean the the, the pain is not yet fully realized i don't think uh, the other thing, by the way, on that one is, remember, there's still half or so of the people who fixed their rates in 2020 and 2021 who haven't yet rolled over to variable. And I don't think most of those people will lose their homes. Don't so be wrong. But that sucks a whole lot of money out of the economy. And so when the RBA is finished, it's not like rate rises will stop impacting the Australian economy. Rate rises for, at a house by house, day by day, week by week level will happen for a whole lot of people for the next, I don't know, it was 12, 15 months, probably something like that, until those rates finish rolling over. So, uh, again, I don't mean that in any sort of pessimistic way or there's, there's no so what, which is we're all doomed or, you know, sell your shares and buy gold or go and live in a cave. It's just a reality that when the RBA is finished, there's still a bit more to go. And I think that's, frankly, implicit in the IMS numbers.
0: Yeah, I think the, the thing I hear quoted often is that the there is an 18-month lag mm. Um so the rate rise cycle, yes. you know, we, we still, we've still got that, not just from the fixed variable sort of lens, but just, just in how long it takes things to sort of bubble through. Mm. Same with companies, right? They just, a lot of them will have issued corporate debt. <laughs> yes. which at very 100%. low rates 100%. and that, that that'll need to be refinanced mm-hmm. um i mean it's the same for governments you know the u.s is finding out right now that it's going to have to refinance a lot of its rollover its debt but at much higher mm-hmm. rates than it has so it's just there is a natural sort of lag effect in in all of that mm. i saw your tweet again on the week um i think you made the point very well actually um that it's easy even for someone like me to get very carried away off these things and go, Whoa, it's, you know, it's all gonna end in a heap. And it's like, well, no, I don't think so. I don't think a lot of people are gonna be losing their homes. But as you, as you said, it's still gonna be, it's gonna, a lot more money is being diverted towards servicing that very large debt burden Mm. amongst the highest debt burdens in the world and it just means that i'm you know not going on holidays or the the, the, i'm not doing the same kind of holidays i'm not buying the same kind of toys i'm not Mm. treating myself to the same kind of meals and foods and the rest of it yep so it just kind of feels again it's not to sort of say go and you know buy a bomb shelter and go go live in it but (laughs) it is it is (laughs) yeah i i i uh, yeah let's I don't know. I don't. My my, my point is, <clears throat> I think I think it's sensible to be to expect you know mm, mm. challenges in, in the in the next little while. Yep, just mathematics, that's, right? It's, that, that's that's, exactly, that's, that's, that's the thing for me. Yes, it's not. Yes. It's, I don't feel as though it's a subjective argument. It's it's yes. like well you know, X amount of debt times you know, this amount of interest mm-hmm. rate, you know, uh, against this amount of, of income. And oh, not, some people have the capacity just to, you know, if I'm a QC, I can just mm. probably put my rates up, deal yes, with it. exactly, exactly. You know, most of us don't have that flexibility. So mm-hmm. we have relatively fixed incomes. We might be able to negotiate a bit of a pay rise. But it, mm. but against that sort of relatively fixed level, these our, our expense levels are, are going to go up. Even if I don't have a mortgage, right? Like yeah. my landlord's going to... <laughs> pass some of that pain on, so it sort of <laughs> felt right. it's
1: felt across the board there. Yeah. So yeah, anyway, I think that's I think that's right, mate. Um, What's the next part of it? Well, the other part was the bit you've kind of already you've already kind of talked about. Actually, you, you've uh, is that Australia is apparently uh, has the highest amount of mortgage stress in the world, huh. uh, which is uh, which is a a, a title uh, a gold medal. We probably don't want. I think I probably might be understating it slightly. We definitely don't want. Um, I, I, I deeply dislike the idea of mortgage stress as a category you can apply just an arbitrary number to and say therefore there's stress or therefore there's not stress. I think it's a it's it's a it's a ridiculous headline. I'm not saying the fact that I don't I'm not saying I didn't even disbelieve but well, you spit that out. Disbelieve the, uh, the 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 result or the outcome. I just think, you know, oh, we've got mortgage stress. We haven't. So like, oh, if you go from, I don't know what the numbers are, 30.1% in your income, you're in mortgage stress. At 29.8%, you are fine. Mm-hmm. Just that is, uh, The arbitrary reality of that is ridiculous, right? Is it one income? Is it two? Where do you live? What other expenses have you got? Like the whole thing's just a bit silly. But uh, what we can say is uh, using whatever arbitrary measure they are using, Australia is ranking highest on that, and that's something we kind of can't avoid, right? We are paying more of our incomes, and more of us are paying higher, more of our incomes than, than anywhere else in the world. Again, you've got to look at things like tax rates and what, what things are provided by governments and aren't provided by governments. For example, you'd rather be, you know, uh, you, at, at a given percentage of your of your income being paid on the mortgage, you'd rather be in Australia than in the US, for example, where healthcare costs are out of control and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. it, it's it's a, it's a relative measure that's being presented as an absolute but in any case even if we're second or third or even if it's overstated by five percent or ten percent of income whatever the numbers actually are um and it's nothing we don't even really know but putting it in a global context is a pretty bloody stark reminder of of the 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 mortgage and debt circumstances of of many australians yeah i think i i
0: agree with all of that it's you can get bogged down in the in the detail but it's more that i think directionally you can make certain comments Correct. you know, I, I don't know what, what exact level of of Correct. income dedicated to servicing housing costs requires me d- defines me as being in stress or not stress yes. i mean yeah. that's a silly yeah. point and you made Correct. it well but but when when you look at every other comparable country around the world and we're significantly higher it, it sort of says <laughs> yeah yes exactly Well, i mean again let's let's just let's not bring subjectivity to the table i guess objectively it says either the rest of the world is Super cheap. <laughs>
1: that's right. Has has too little debt. Yeah, that's too right. little debt. You know, <laughs> that's, right. that's or, right. And should
0: have more, or yes. or we've yes. got too much, <laughs> or maybe a mix of the two. Right? So
1: yeah, I'm so not say more or less. It's just we, we 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 are carrying more debt than anybody else, and that's not uh, that's not something you should aspire to achieve as a country. Yeah,
0: and it's it's it just means it, there's we talk about Taleb at the start of the show. The other yeah. the other book he's got is one of the other books is um anti fragile. Um, and mm. I really love that term as well. And I feel as though when it comes to very big debt burdens, it doesn't guarantee anything, right? I mean, it could mm. be perfectly fine. Companies like Transurban and Sydney mm. Airport, no problem. And I'd argue they're actually able to service and carry high amounts of debt. Yes, exactly. so, backed by very hard real world, Assets that, de- that cash gen- yeah. generate very reliable cash flow, so it's not a Sorry, not a yeah. big deal. If I was a if I was a, a retailer mm. carrying those levels of debt, oh well, my gosh, it's completely different. Apples of, with with oranges kind of comparison there, mm. but but what it does say is that if and and we can debate the, the the probabilities here, but if there is any kind of wobble, and we were just speaking before about black swans and the unexpected nature of things you are much, you're in a much more fragile situation when you carry huge amounts of debt. It's probably not gonna be a problem if nothing goes wrong, but if you or your partner get sick or lose a job or suffer a pay cut or interest rates go up unexpectedly or a thousand other things that you can think of. And again, maybe they don't happen, but it's just, You are going to be in a far more precarious situation. So to bring it back to the share market, we see this all the time there. It's like during the bull runs and companies are aggressively spending, expanding, acquiring, raising capital, taking on debt. They're growing like the clappers. And, you know, another Buffett quote for the the episode is you only find out who's swimming naked when the tide comes back out. And my worry is with, with our situation in Australia is not that, oh, we are definitely going to hell in a handbasket. No, I think it's too easy to sort of paraphrase it that way. It's just that we are, I think, objectively, you could make the statement that if we suffer any unexpected negative conse- outcomes, we're, we're in a far less robust
1: position to deal with it. I think that's a really good point. I think that's 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 where the rubber hits. Oh well, for individual households, the rubber hits the road in terms of not being able to pay for the mortgage, not being able to afford shelter right that's 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 a really big deal that we still have to deal with as a country and we're not um the politicians are, are absolutely gutless on this sort of stuff as i've said we both said before um there is no there is no genuine housing policy that actually aims to improve things uh it aims to fiddle around the edges and make it look like they're doing something because doing something is apparently good uh but uh, it's just not enough and it doesn't you know it doesn't it's not it's not going to work um that being said as you as you rightly point out at a at a you know, uh, speaking of Buffett, you know, never rely on the kindness of strangers. If yes. you owe someone money uh, and they're entitled to call that money, then you don't want to have to uh, beg and plead with them and ask them to be nice to you uh, if the circumstance. Now, I'm not saying no one should borrow to, to buy a house or you shouldn't have a mortgage. It's how, how do you not borrow to buy a right. house, you know, exactly. unless you're already rich? Yeah. But but being being mindful about how much you can borrow, how likely you are to need the money. Um, there there's a, there's a very, very big philosophical question about, about you know, anyone who loses their job can't afford the mortgage no matter what the price is, which yeah. is frankly its own thing. So that, that's, a, that's probably a very different question to how much should I borrow relative to my income? Uh, because at any, at any price, you could have house prices. And if you lose your job, you still can't pay the mortgage. Uh, yeah. So, you know, th- there is, there is a, there's a reality to that. But uh, even in those circumstances... Um, the, the way we have, you know what, I think I would actually make it broader, mate, almost to your point uh, about the way things are structured. I don't even think it's necessarily, uh, it is the size of the mortgage in the sense that house prices are too high, but that's it's also the way we structure the rest of our finances, and part of that is a, a subset of the fact we have to pay so much in deposit and pay so much in mortgage repayments. Um, we've said many, 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 many times, having money to you know cover the rainy day expenses right to replace the car if the engine blows up or to replace the fridge or to you know have six months of of expenses up your back up your sleeve just in case you lose your job it takes time to find another one those are all the things that matter and i think that's where we need to be really really careful about how that how that nets out
0: yeah and the other thing i would just mention too is that people like it's it's very easy to explain when we're talking about shares you know Mm. leverage is a double-edged sword Yep. It can accelerate your gains. Um, it accelerates your losses. Yeah, mm-hmm. no you know, no, no, poo, Sherlock. Like, we get it. <laughs> um, the same is true with, with anything, right? And I, I just think that's the case with, with housing is that you've got to be careful. It's not as though there's a lot of bears out there. Maybe you can class me as one. I don't know. But who? But some people get pretty extreme with this stuff and they'll, they'll forecast 30% falls and all of this kind of stuff. I would just sort of say, if you're the kind of person who's taken, even if you've got a 20% deposit and house prices fall 10% and you're in a position where you're forced to sell. No. Yep, yep. I mean, you're wiped, your equity's wiped out. I mean, it Correct. goes both ways. And mm-hmm. that that is just something to bear in mind. Can I, can I give a little peek behind the curtains here? Um, if, if you're listening to this and you're not sitting down, I encourage you to sit down. Um, I went and saw a mortgage broker recently. Um, and- what? <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Well, you know, it's kind of like, let me, let me just clarify that very quickly. We, we are um, looking, we, we renting sucks and anyone who's renting, you don't need me to tell you that it really sucks. And uh, our situation has changed in the sense that my income has now been demonstrated for two years so that I'm actually a bank will like not just slam a door on my face. So we're not racing out to invest in property. Um, But we would like to put a home over our head that we own that we're not going to get in trouble every time Mm. we drop a fork on the floor or something like that. And it's more just a question of, well, let's just see, you know, and, um, you know, what's, what's possible. So probably nothing will happen. So let me hasten to add that, and let me also hasten. I'm not making a bet on house prices. Like if, <laughs> if I can, if I can comfortably afford this, and I can put what I'm putting yeah. towards rent yep. and have yep. a house and get rid of all that other crap, then I'll, I'll I'll consider it because we'll probably live there for 30 years. And frankly, I don't really care what the return is, as, as long as as long as yeah. the, the yeah. basic overall purchasing power is probably preserved. So yeah. again, very different to, to to buying an investment property. Mm. But the reason now that I've backfilled all of that, the 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 thing that sort of and I've, We were chatting before the show. Is just how much I was able to borrow. It's was like, "Really? You'll lend me mm-hmm. that much? I know. I know better than anyone how much I <laughs> can afford." <laughs> That's right. Like,
1: it is ho- scary. When hopefully, the, the mortgage broker or bank's not listening. Yeah. But yeah, I
0: was like, yeah. Uh, I, I, and it's very easy to go, "Huh? Oh wow! How much?" Fantastic. That's great. And then and then what do you do if someone says you can borrow X? When I start open up the domain app and start putting the filters on, I go right up to that amount, man. Like that that's what I'm going to be looking for. And then, but I I I, I just mm-hmm. take a pause and like this is the conversation we've been having around the dinner table. It's yeah. like, well, what if? And not if not not, not something horrible and dire, just mm-hmm. like, what if there's a little bit yeah, of a wobble yeah. here? That's you right. Know? You're not there for that. I'm, I'm, what do we do under this? I don't yep. know mm-hmm. how the hell people do it. We, we, Credit Suisse was it a few years ago, Wrote That big report on liar loans and the rest of it. Here's the yep. other thing. It's just like questions get asked and I, I give the honest answer. <laughs> and it's like, man, I could I can stretch the truth. What's your budget? What's your, mo- what do you much do you spend mm. monthly on groceries? I spend a bloody fortune on groceries,
1: <laughs>
0: but I'm going to put, I spend $200, you know,
1: it, 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 a- it's allegedly. sort of, allegedly, Hi- hypothetically. Yes.
0: I was just, I was just having gone through the experience. <laughs> I was, I feel as though it's like, yeah. is, is yeah. this a, is this a reality TV show? Is someone testing mm-hmm. me here? Like, mm-hmm. Is anyone going to check to, to, say, to what I'm saying is, is true? Yeah. How is this sort of validated? And I, I, I feel as though this is the other concern I have is that, again, the swimming naked kind of component. Mm. And I'm sure it, it's not a majority, but I do wonder if it's a significant enough minority where it's sort of like on paper people who are able to be resilient under more difficult circumstances, can they really be that resilient given given that in order to get the loan – you can stretch various truths given Mm. the incentives at play, right? The mortgage broker wants us to get like, they don't get paid without us getting a mortgage. Right. So they, they want me to get a mortgage. Right. The loan officer is just process that that gets put in front of them. It's like, "Ah, that comes from Mm -hmm. a mortgage broker. They've probably done the due diligence. I got 50 of these things to process today. Does it tick this box? Does it tick that box? Yep. 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 Boom. Next. And, Mm. and it's back in the old, and my granddad was a bank manager and, um, I mean, he used to. He's not with us anymore, but he used to tell stories of just like how closely the bank would scrutinise you in the old days, right? I can imagine, yeah. really, and they wouldn't even factor in the, uh, you know, they'd only be the man's income, which just shows you how <laughs> how different society was. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, a woman's just yeah. going to get pregnant and and have kids yeah. and then be out of the Stay workforce. Yep. You know, yep. It, yep. it was just such a it was such a radically different world. But but it was it was much much more difficult to hmm. to get credit, maybe too difficult. But I do wonder if has the pendulum swung to such an extent where it's now like, can you fog a mirror? Yes. Boom, here's a million dollars. <laughs> like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know. And again, it's all cool. It's all cool and fine until it's until it's not. And and my just come back to the original point and I'll shut the hell up, which is when you see these league tables <laughs> and Australia is just sort of putting Canada and Norway and Netherlands and Sweden <laughs> and Denmark and the US and Japan and everyone to shame, mm-hmm. you kind of think. Geez, I hope everyone has been pretty honest on their on yeah. their situation. Geez, I hope people really can tighten their belts and 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 service these things because if they can't, when you get forced selling is when things get really hairy.
1: And and let's hope it doesn't come to that. And well, the, the other thing is is what then can precipitate that as well as unemployment because most people can right. particularly by now. If you if you've got a variable loan, you're paying the loan now. You're either on your last legs or you've sold or you're fine. Yeah, you know, rate, Rates have been high enough for long enough that people kind of get it. Now, maybe some are waiting for rates to go back down. As you say, maybe some are just desperately hoping and hoping and hoping and eventually have to capitulate. So that, that's absolutely possible. Yeah, uh, That in itself is terrible for individuals, doesn't necessarily direct the economy. Unemployment for me is still the, it's the linchpin quite literally uh, at an economic level. And again, this is one of those situations where we're talking to that national totals rather than individual circumstances, there's someone right now who is losing their house today and that's awful for them. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to again, minimize that individual circumstance. But the, the flow on effect in the economy happens when unemployment rises meaningfully. That, that to me, uh, if I could wave any magic wand, I'd like to bring house prices down. I'd like to bring interest down for people who are paying more, all that kind of stuff. But the reality is, most people will find a way if they keep their jobs. That yep. that is that is the, of course
0: because people aren't idiots, right? People <laughs> like, people understand what's at stake here, and so they'll they'll do whatever they can. My worry is is that, and again, if who knows? But if if ever things do get tough, what what always breaks my heart, and this is always such a, a poignant end to the movie The Big Short, whereas mm-hmm. it's like it's it's the average family that loses their home. Correct, correct. That, you know, the bank managers might lose a bonus mm-hmm. right the, the 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 real estate agent who's been you know clipping the ticket on all these transactions for the last 20 years they're fine like it's yeah. it's sort of yeah you you always have to i think incentives run the world I'm mm-hmm. such a firm believer in that and, and you know, quote Munger instead of Buffett for a change, mm-hmm. show me the incentive. <laughs> I'll show you the outcome. Exactly. What's the incentive for the real estate agent? What's the incentive for the mortgage broker? What's mm-hmm. the incentive for the bank? What's the incentive for the politician making policy? Yeah. I mean, yeah. the incentive is number go up. That's the yeah. incentive because that's what makes everyone happy. And so it, 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 again, it doesn't portend doom and gloom, but it's sort of like there is it, it's easy to sort of do certain things when your downside is very limited, mm-hmm. as one of these middlemen. Um, yep, for sure. Whereas for you, uh, average Joe citizen, the downside can be radical. And and it's just something that, it's very easy to make these big life altering decisions because we want to see, we see our neighbors getting rich, we want to better our life, it feels as though it's in in reach. And, and I wouldn't dissuade anyone from doing it. We're doing it right now, right? Mm, mm, mm. But 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 just bear in mind the alternative. And it's like when we're talking about shares, like, mm. you know, never make an yeah, investment yeah. without having a thorough understanding of what can go wrong and what the, the downside. downside is. And yep. if you're not comfortable yep. with that, <clears throat> you could tell me, you could pitch me a company that just sounds really attractive, but if it's a heads I win and tails I lose everything, I'm like, I'm not taking the bet, no matter how compelling the the, the situation is.
1: On that cheery note, <laughs> we probably should wind up this particular podcast. It's been fun as always. Uh, Maybe will you come back on Sunday? Yeah, you know it. All right. And if you've got a question for the mailbag, make sure you hit us up. We haven't done this for a little while. Uh, they're always open, by the way, but haven't, haven't called for questions. Info, I-N-F-O at fool.com.au. Uh, Mention a podcast mailbag question and our great member services fools will get them to us otherwise hit us up on all the socials Ram is exclusively still on Twitter and apparently Blue Sky or something but anyway Uh, at Sage (laughs) underscore Simeon and at Strawman Invest Uh, you can get me on uh, threads or Insta or Twitter all on the same handle at TMF Scott P or on Facebook at Scott Phillips Money right, until Sunday morning very bright and early after our run (laughs) full on